electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, uh, thank you so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. What is arguably the most important day of this early year for stocks? That Fed decision just two hours away now, followed by meta earnings in overtime. Our investment committee here with me at Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange to get you all set up for all of that. Joining me for the hour today, Joe Terranova, Kerry Firestone, and Jason Snipe. Let's show you what the markets are doing here as we wait for the Fed. We've been down uh, throughout the morning today. Dow's down by 300. The uh, S&P nearly one half of 1%. NASDAQ's weaker today, too, as is the Russell 347. The yield on the 10-year note. And we're going to get to all of that. And there is a lot to get to today. But first, as uh, some of you uh, may have known, Joe Terranova has done the quarterly rebalance for his ETF. And we mentioned the sales last evening in overtime of Tesla and Microsoft. Well, there's another biggie that we did not get to yesterday. But we're going to right now. You sold Apple. Yes. Apple has. Double APL. Apple has come out of the portfolio uh, leading up to this rebalance. I talked quite a bit on air about a lot of the technology stocks that had lost significant momentum, right? The momentum factor is so critical to these names. Momentum is something that I'm trying to recreate. I feel, I feel momentum is a single factor is deficient. I feel is very happy, uh, exceeded expectations in doing that. But for Apple in itself, okay, it just could not overcome the fact, quality balance sheet, strong fun- fundamentals, but it could not overcome the breakdown in the technicals. And let me be clear on something, okay? I said this leading into the rebalance. I said that there may be a moment where mega caps come out of the strategy, and then a moment when mega caps go back into the strategy. Let's remember last January, Apple was sold at around 170 from the strategy. Mm-hmm. In April, it went back in again at 157. That's the nature of the strategy, that's what it's designed to do. I follow it. I invest in it. Bought more of the strategy this morning. Okay. So you also sold it within your personal holding too, right? So you're, I think you try as best you can to mirror the ETF strategy in your own personal portfolio as well. So Apple comes out of the Joe T. Apple also comes out of Joe. Everyone, <laughs> everyone who participates on this show has a different strategy, and I respect right. everyone's individual strategy. Right. Understand my background. You know it well, okay? It's rooted working with Mark Fisher in the commodities exchange. Commodities is momentum-oriented. Mm-hmm. So I'm a student of momentum, and the endeavor for introducing this product was for I wanted my performance to be active in life. I wanted to take momentum and improve upon the strategy within the market, okay? And I'm gonna eat my own cooking. So yes, 
I'm going to move out of a personal holding if the strategy is going to dictate doing that. And I think that's exactly what you should be doing. Look, you, you did it way better than me back in the day, okay, running a fund, and you know that you have to have the, the confidence in what the investment methodology so, is doing. It's reflected in your own holdings. Overall, um, you have a modest increase in your exposure to financials. And by the way, you have several moves, and many of them are really interesting, and we're going to sprinkle them throughout this hour. Okay. So I want you to sort of stay with us, and we're going to tell you along the way here what Joe has done. <laughs> Name brands in and out, and in many cases out, which I think you'll find a pretty interesting Increase in financials, overweight energy, industrials and materials. That represents sort of how we've been talking, but underweight tech com services and discretionary. The personality of this strategy reflects everything that I've been saying on this desk since the Federal Reserve announced in November of 2021 they were going to be raising interest rates. The personality of this strategy, 25 buys, 25 sales. That's a lower turnover than what we saw last year. Last year, 35 and a half was the average turnover in terms of the overweights and overweight, overweights and underweights. Not much has changed here. The, the disposition of the portfolio has stayed the same. If you look at the 30-day volatility on this portfolio, mm -hmm. it's only 15.8. To have a volatility on a fund that's less than as a, identified yeah, as a momentum low. strategy, yeah. and it's below the S&P itself, the PE on this is 16.5. So the character and disposition of this strategy it reflects exactly how I'm thinking about markets. So since inception, the Joe T uh, has trailed the S&P by a couple hundred basis points, right? It's, it's destroyed the NASDAQ 100. Okay. Um, the NASDAQ 100 since inception's up, since the inception of, of the Joe T, you're up 14.6%. NASDAQ 100's up 2.76%. S&P's up 16.7%. Um, so, you know, your, your sector moves are interesting here. Carrie, what do you make of this, this Apple decision and, yeah. and a sale at a time where these stocks, <laughs> look, these stocks, year to date, Apple's up 10%. Yeah. It's still 20% off its 52-week high, and it's getting set tomorrow to report earnings. So I don't love, I don't love the move, but I think it's a bold move. You know, I think that Joe has a point of view about Apple. And when you replace something which is that big of a weight in an index, and I don't know if the S&P is your benchmark. If it were, I mean, you've got to find something that's up over 6%. Because of on CNBC it yeah. is. <laughs> to, to Morningstar and everyone else, it's not. Okay. Okay, good. But I'll so accept that. You have to have something that will replace it that will do better, right? So I'm assuming that Joe knows a lot of companies, knows lots of tickers out there, can find something for his investors that will be better than Apple. If you think the market is going to be flat this year, I mean, I don't think you're very bullish, so let's say you think the market is going to be up 5%. Right. I mean, still way below where it closed at the end of 2021. All you have to do is find some names that will be, you know, That's doing better than Apple. Apple's later flat. In the show. And see, I don't care what your strategy yeah. is, frankly, I Jason. wouldn't do it, but... <laughs> Selling Apple in and of itself is, Carrie uses, I think, the right word here, bold. Yeah. You just don't hear people sell Apple all that often, right? 100%. Especially when, you know, whether they're running a strategy of their own personal portfolio, making a call right now uh, on a stock like that's bold. Without a doubt. Right and ahead I, of earnings, too. 
Agree. And I, I respect Joe's discipline. Joe's got a discipline in the way he tactically makes his trades. Um, for me, Apple's been a long-term holding. You know, I think the opening, the reopening of China is going to be a catalyst for the stock. I think there, there potentially will be some resurfacing of some momentum there. Um, it has underperformed growth slightly. I mean, the Nasdaq's up 10.7%. As you mentioned, Apple's up about 10%. It's 20% off its 52-week high. But for me, you know, and I always see Alpa as a bellwether on the economy, the bellwether on the consumer. And I think we've seen some resiliency with the consumer as it relates to other earnings that we've seen already this quarter. So um, for me, we're sticking with it. We're not doing anything with mm-hmm. it. But again, but I respect both agree Joe. there is zero momentum right now, either positive or negative for Apple. Yeah, but that, yes, I and agree. That can change, that. but and, that and can change. exactly what right. I'm looking at. Change. That's what I'm trying to recreate. Scott gave the performance relative to the S&P and the NASDAQ, look at single factors of quality and momentum, and now measure this strategy relative to that. There's no momentum whatsoever in Apple. But you could buy it back. You can buy it back, and you might do that within the year. Strategy might go back into Apple. It's done it in the past. Let's let's use this as an opportunity. And again, we've got so many more name brand moves to go through. Some may be surprising to you. They're, They're somewhat surprising to me. But let's use the opportunity to talk meta, okay? Because if we're in the mega cap universe, let's go there. And over time today, boy, there are a lot of question marks about this earnings report. You know, I don't know if Snap sort of colored the picture a little bit on how people are thinking. The stock's up 23% this last month, year to date. What do we think here? Well, we own it and we like it. I mean, we thought the stock was way oversold. Remember, this is a stock that was down, you know, 70 percent from its peak to I think it bottomed in November, early November. And it's up over 50 percent since then. So to have not owned it, I mean, I think if you're building a portfolio, it was a mistake. We have owned it. And the bad news to our mind was in the stock. All of the bad news about the advertising industry, you know, that was coming out all of last year. The fact that they had to do something to deal with TikTok and um, Apple's new um, privacy strategy and the fact that they were bloated and Reels wasn't doing enough. I mean, all of this was known and they've gotten some religion. They've announced headcount reductions. There's activists in the stock. We're going to hear more about it tomorrow. We know that revenue is going to be down. And so at this point, it's gone from 11 times earnings to 17 times you know, earnings. And we still think that there's more to go. Because, with, I mean, there are the people, I mean, you said they've, they've you know, found religion as it comes to you know, cutting some of their spending. Yeah. I mean, the jury's still out. Of course. On that. They haven't gone nearly as far as some like Brad Gerstner have suggested that they go. Correct. That remains one of the biggest question marks. Where is the bulk of your focus going to be? Is it on this, you know, pipe dream of the metaverse or is it more focus on the core business, which the critics would suggest that they got away from? And that's one of the reasons why the stock suffered the way it did. Yeah. Well, I think it suffered justifiably so in some of this regard. Um, We know that they've made some moves. Brad would want there to be many more moves. So would we. We're going to find that out. You never know, right? When a stock, it's still down 45 percent or whatever over the last year. You still have opportunity. And that's why we own it, because we see the opportunity. Cost cutting would be, I'd say, number one. We know the revenues are not going to be great. All all of the reasons, Jason, that we're suggesting the question marks are some of the reasons why you sold the stock, Right. right? You sold it a year ago. Yeah. So you've been on the sidelines for a while. Right. Absolutely. Stocks come down a heck of a lot since last February. Right. 100%. And I think for us, you know, it was really the iOS change with Apple was one of the catalysts for 
getting out of the stock. Good move. The other piece um, was their focus on the on the uh, the metaverse, right? You know, and 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 that was a that was a bold move. You know, they, they made that move, and I think for us, as 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 they're kind of sh- they were shifting gears and re strategizing what they wanted to do. That is going to take some time, and we want to take some chips off the table, let that work out, let's see what happens in a couple quarters, and potentially revisit. So does, that was the thesis. Does the way we're talking about you know, these stocks, are, so there's a lot of question marks around Meta. Joe raises some interesting now question marks around Apple as it relates to you know, what the quality of the earnings are going to be for the next few quarters, who really knows whether momentum has been lost, and now we've got Apple, Alphabet, and Amazon tomorrow, you know, in, in overtime. That's sort of the next big wave that this market is going to have to, you know, surf and, and hopefully successfully. How, how should we be thinking about all that? Well, first of all, I want to address it from the perspective of momentum, okay? Jason was a seller of, uh, was a seller of Meta one year ago, right. and one year ago, you lost momentum in this stock. The Joe T strategy sold out of Meta in April at $200. We sold out of Amazon at $135. So for people who don't believe that momentum is real and it's a factor in the market, and when you look at the signal that we got in Apple to move to the sidelines, there's something there that's real. Now, fundamentally for Meta, I agree with you. I actually think that you can't have a read through from Snap and believe you're going to get this ominous result today from uh, Meta. I think that fate, uh, Meta, rather, has, I want to call them Facebook because yeah, that's what yeah, it should be. But yeah. Meta has a more that's diversified model. It's not like Snap that's solely yeah. reliant on, on the ad market no, no, there's itself. Not, there's Definitely. not a massive not, read through. There not, really not isn't. Not at all. Yeah. And I think the worst has passed, and quite candidly, and this is just intuition, my gut. When I look at all the mega caps and I say, okay, where do I see the potential for momentum to build once again in the coming quarters? This is at the top of the list. Meta not is. There, yeah. yeah. Not there yet, but it's at the top of but the see, list. But don't you think, though, if, if Meta finds some new momentum, the other stocks are not going to be in the same universe? And Is Meta going to go by itself? Now, it went down in many went respects by itself, by itself right. but those were because of missteps, you, you could argue. Not, you know, not because of a loss of, you know, momentum they they caused the loss of momentum right but the momentum reflects the change in the fundamental conditions and it does it very quickly it does a a very efficient job in messaging that to investors and i think brad gerstner is correct in what exactly he believes the company should be doing and the question you ask yourself fundamentally is are they moving that direction I think the answer is yes. All right. So that brings us to, you know, look, these stocks in, in some respects have done much better this year because of longer duration assets, so-called, have yeah. done better because rates have been low, which brings us to the Fed decision today, 2 o'clock Eastern time, followed by the Fed chair speaking to uh, the media. The bond market carries pricing in two more hikes, right? right. 25 today, 25 in March, right. and then cuts by the end of this year at some point. And that is the biggest debate in the market, arguably. Is the market right or is it underestimating the Fed? What do you think? I think what's most important is what he says about the hike. We know we're going to have 25 basis points today, or we think 95% chance there's 25 basis points. Well, if it's not, and it's going to be a big surprise to the market. Correct. It's not going to go Whatever over well, I can tell you if that. If it's 50, no, of course not. But definitely inflation is coming down. The whole point of this was to bring inflation down. And there's evidence. You know, we had evidence yesterday that wages were starting to come down. That's very important because Paul has said several times that it's the employment piece that is really sort of 
I, I would say bother them the most. It's, they've scratched their heads. Why is employment so high? And, you know, things are slowing. Everybody's talking about an imminent recession, but we're at all-time low unemployment. So seeing wages come down is excellent. And many, you know, housing and, you know, you look at advertising costs. and Still, we, the jolts data today, though, was not great for the, what the Fed wants to see, right? Correct. There's still too many job openings. And the other data that was out, ISMs and the manufacturing sort of complex is is ugly um, right now. Gunlock, uh, who tweets, you know, looking ahead to what the Fed does. And by the way, he's going to be with us in overtime tonight, giving you his first reaction to what the Fed does and says. He says, I suspect Fed messaging tomorrow will push back against the pivot narrative and thereby current bond market pricing should be interesting. So, again, he suggests that, you know, the, the Fed's going to make it clear, Jason, that they're right, right and the bond market's not right. Right. So I think for me, as a, as a relation, and, and Kerry just, 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 you know, pointed out, hit it out the park here. Um, you know, employment is a deal, right? Um, you know, there's been wage deceleration, which we've seen. We saw that in the ECI data yesterday. Um, that's what the Fed wants to see. To your point, Scott, I mean, 700,000 upside surprise in the JOLTS number is not great. Um, but I think the wage deceleration is one of the key factors. We're seeing month over month stagnation in inflation. Year-over-year year comps, I mean, those are easier numbers to follow. That, that will come down. But I think uh, the Fed's going to stay engaged. They have to, um, you know, because a re-acceleration re of inflation is an even bigger problem. So I think that's, that's where we stand. But you got the, you know, weaker data uh, again today, right? It just, it just raises the issue of, do they get it? Do they get it, right? The data is weak-er, okay? Yes, inflation's coming down, but the data is really weak. So are they going to overdo it and send the economy off a cliff? We'll get, get more perspective I, on that in two yeah. hours. I, and I think when you watch the network, you watch people that come on the network and you understand who has momentum, okay? Who has a good analysis, who has a good understanding. And there are times that some of us, myself included, we don't have a good grip of what's going on. I'll right. be the first to admit that. Jeffrey Gunlock is on fire. He's got momentum. Everything <laughs> that he has said in the last 45 days, rising. Yeah. tax loss selling, move to the emerging markets, peak dollar, Federal Reserve, everything he has said has been correct. And he is right. The only thing that the Federal Reserve has left today is for the chairman to stand there for 30 minutes, the entirety of the press conference, and have the disposition and demeanor that he did at Jackson Hole. Mm -hmm. That's the only tool that they have left. And candidly, I think he's going to fail. I think the high beta rally that's going on is going to continue after the press conference. Really? Because I don't think he's going to pull it off. He needs to be overly hawkish to walk good. back the animal spirits that right mm. now are back into markets. Yeah, well, but I, I disagree with that. So I think that he has made it clear that inflation was their goal in bringing it down. That was the goal. And he's going to point out some of the areas in which they've succeeded. I think that they have succeeded. The evidence is that they've succeeded. It's not just a speculative rally in names that only Kathy Woods owned. There are many stocks that have come off their bottom, and I think justifiably so. So I think that this rally has happened for appropriate reasons. Do you think the nature reasons. of this rally is healthy? 
Some of it is, but there's always parts of the market that aren't healthy. There are always speculative assets that are, you know, moving in one direction or another. That doesn't mean what's happening appropriately with stocks that we're trading at 10 and 11 times earnings and should be trading at 16 or 17 times earnings. Wolf Research today says Powell's long-term focus is being underestimated. Michael Burry, big short, you know, fame, sell was his tweet, since deleted, but nonetheless, uh, it's a provocative thought in the face of, of what may come Good luck to today. You can't ignore financial conditions are the easiest that they've been in one year. Is that what the Federal Reserve wants? No, but, you, okay, then but it's you're also making the case that he's not going to be able to succeed with the hawkish because, message. Because they've been trying for the last month and a half through their communication tool. One Federal Reserve member after the other coming out, reminding markets, 5% is the target. We have more work to do, right? Trying to uh, message that the disconnect between the bond market and the Federal Reserve, that the Federal Reserve has it right. I think the bond market has it right. Why does the bond market have it right? Because the data, as I suggested, at the, you know, not a few minutes ago, even today, is weak. Manufacturing is Manufacturing's in a recession. In a recession. Yeah, but Clearly. we've had several recessions in the economy. Sure. Chips have been in a recession, and advertising's right. been in, housing's in a recession. I mean, there are lots of categories. Software's been in a recession. Right. So retail's in a recession. So it makes sense that if stocks start to move before we hit a bottom in whatever that category is, stocks mm-hmm. move higher. Let they me, predict the future. They don't do a book report. Let me ask you this, Carrie, and this will make this the last part of this block. So you bought CarMax. Right, yeah. that's new for you. Yeah, exactly. Why'd you buy that? I mean, GM obviously told a great story about expectations for auto sales. The stock was up eight percent the other day. Why yeah. cut KMX? So um, KMX is the largest seller of used cars. That's only two percent of the market. Stock was down sixty percent plus because. Used car sales were in a recession last year, having been in an enormous bull market for the prior two years, all through COVID, right? Everybody knows about used car prices and how you couldn't get one. And they sold everything that got their hands on the stock, an enormous rally, and then it came down, crashing down. Their competitors are weaker than they were before, whether it's Carvana or CarGuru. We think that after this year, earnings stabilized this year and start to grow double digits, and the stock we thought was very attractively priced. Okay, so we'll keep our eye on KM. There you see it's up one and three quarters percent. We're going to step away. When we come back, we have more of Joe's moves, including a stock that is surging today. It's up big so far this year. We made it our chart of the day. We reveal it and we trade it coming up. We're back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. 
Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. Let's get to our chart of the day now. Old Dominion, that stock is rallying today. That transport reported an earnings beat, raised dividend, announced a CEO change as well. And it brings us back to the Joe T, uh, which you sold, <laughs> sold Old Dominion. Why? Wow. Kind of like uh, the NFL game where sometimes the ref gives you a good call and sometimes the ref gives you a bad call. Uh, we didn't have the benefit of, of earnings with, you know, within the strategy uh, doing the rebalance. Obviously, things might have been different if you were able to incorporate what we witnessed today as far as the earnings report. But prior to that, and Old Dominion's a great company. It was placed into Joe T upon inception on November 17th of 2020. I believe the entry price was somewhere around $205. More recently, though, before this report, mm -hmm. the momentum had began to wane, yeah. and we saw a small deterioration in the criteria we use for quality. What about personally? Do you, do you own this personally? I do not. So you could always buy it personally, even though it sounds like you, you, wish, you'd, you wish you didn't have it Correct. out of the Joe T. Correct. Oh. Unfortunately, timing is everything. Correct. Would you consider buying it personally at, at this point? It's, it's, it's a name. First of all, ethically, I don't feel good about sell, having it sold out of the Joe T and yeah. then turning around buying it personally. But in the, in the coming quarter, uh, yeah, this is, this is a name that I'm sure the strategy will look at again, and I will. Okay. I, I also want to reiterate, I gave some performance numbers versus the S&P and the NASDAQ 100. You, your whole strategy of quality and momentum, you know, the MSCI momentum index since the inception of you uh, is down 2%. So obviously, I gave your your ETF is up 15. We'll call it. We'll round up, uh, and their, the quality index is up seven. So that that's really how you view your competition, right? Well, I, in the sense in the sense of these competition are, in quotes, but they're the, they're the benchmark, right? For both quality and for momentum, you could go research the amount of AUM that's that's in you know ETFs for quality and momentum. Yeah. But it's it's somewhat illogical to say, okay. Um, and Cliff Asnes does a great job of this. You've got two factors, single factors, quality and momentum. I'm going to bring them together in a proprietary nature. It seems illogical that you would be able to actually improve upon those single factors. Mm -hmm. And the expectation that we could do that is present. I'm very happy with okay, that. Okay, so now let's go through some others because I mentioned there are a lot of name brands here. Let me go with a buy, okay? We talked a lot about sales and I have more. Lulu. Yes. You bought yeah. Lululemon. Absolutely. That's right, bold. Right, right I like back, that. Right I back. like that. You like that. <laughs> How is this company not in the S&P 500? Yeah. I don't understand yeah. that. It's a company that belongs in the S&P 500. Some have but, worried yeah. that the momentum's gone here. Um, the, the quality factor is very strong, and the momentum is beginning to build once again. I know who you're talking about. That would be Stephen Weiss. I'm just saying in general, Stephen right? sold it last No, no, quarter. I don't care about what, what he did. I'm just saying in general. I mean, oh, we care the, the stock year-to-date's down 3.5%. <laughs> Over a year, it's down 10.5%. It's 25% from its 52-week high. You know, three relative months down 65 But Lulu has relative outperformance versus its sector over the last year. So yeah. the momentum is beginning to build. That doesn't we'll necessarily yeah. mean that you no, need to buy any retailer. 100% correct. 
We'll see where it goes. Okay, yeah. so you, you sold Home Depot. Sold Home Depot. No. Sorry. I don't like that one. Don't like that Purchased Home Depot. Both of you guys own yeah. you got right. Depot. So the, it's interesting because the exposure to housing increased in October at a time where housing appeared to be contracting. Uh, purchased uh, DR Horton, purchased okay. Lennar at the yeah. time, like and DR. purchased <laughs> Home Depot. So in Home Depot, it's somewhere around 296 in October. The momentum was kind of running in place, exited that, and also exited Lennar. Still have DR Horton, bought Lennar around 80, exited Lennar. Looks like the momentum's beginning to wane there as well. Carrie, I know you don't like the HD move that he made. No, I don't really like okay. it. But um, you did buy home builders, and they've been good stocks, right? So on Home Depot, interest rates, we think, are in the process of peaking. And, and that's a big factor for anything that's home-related. But of course, Home Depot is not as much in a new home business as the renovation business. And renovations continue. The consumers, we believe, are not going to be as weak as people had feared. And this is a stock that underperformed massively after it had the big COVID run-up. It was down over 30%. And so we've been buying, you know, we, we have liked it and uh, and purchased it a couple times in the last year. See, I feel like we have to put an asterisk by your stock summit picks now. I mean, because oh, Microsoft was one of your picks. Yep. It's gone. And you sold it personally. You said you were going to sell it at the open. I right. Did. And then yep. Prologis, PLD. <laughs> Again, a name. You own that since the inception of, of the Joe T. It was one of your picks this year. And you bailed on that, too. Yeah, bought that stock at, uh, I think that stock went in. I've, I've owned it personally uh, on a, on, upon inception, November 17th of 2020, 104. I think it was the entry price. CEO was on with Jim Cramer the other day. Great job. Great company fundamentally. But unfortunately, it's a stock that, yes, we, the strategy moved to the sidelines and the criticism that you're, you know, tossing my way. I'm not. I, no, I it's not. I'm just saying it's, it's like. It's justified. I could understand I that. I didn't expect, I did not expect some of the stock summit picks, frankly, to be yeah. gone just in early. three weeks. Right. I, I would, I accept that criticism. Um, I think that at the end of this year, both Microsoft, Prologis, you'll look back upon it and you'll say, okay, those were good picks. This is a, a rocky road to get to the end of the year. And I think the strategy can take turns that differentiate from what the stock summit picks would be. be Sounds quick. like you're be, gonna buy it back. Yeah. Be, <laughs> yeah. be quick on this next one. You sold Coca-Cola and bought Pepsi. Yeah, just more growth than Pepsi. More revenue growth than Pepsi. I like Pepsi better. All right, so let's do this. Uh, let's take another break coming up. We do have a bullish note today on one FinTech stock that both Kerry and Jason own. Shares up more than 10% this year so far. It's our call of the day. It's next. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Seema Modi. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. The White House is planning on rolling back Title 42 in May, an official tells NBC News. Title 42, the immigration policy which allows the U.S. to quickly turn away asylum seekers for health safety reasons, has been the subject of a continuing Supreme Court battle. President Biden announcing that the COVID-19 public health emergency will expire May 11th, which will also effectively end the immigration policy. India's Adani Enterprises has called off a share sale that raised $2.5 billion earlier this week. The move comes as the company likely faces a probe from Indian regulators following allegations of stock price manipulation made by short seller Hindenburg Research. The stock has plummeted today since the report's release. Company founder Gautam Adani, one of the world's richest men, saying moving ahead with a share sale would not have been, quote, morally correct. And last year was the biggest year ever for crypto hacking as criminals stole nearly $4 billion. That's according to a new report. North Korea linked hackers accounted for most of the damage after they stole nearly $2 billion in a number of high profile attacks against crypto exchanges. Scott, I'll send it back to you. All right, Seema, thank you. That's Seema Modi. Let's get to our call today. It's PayPal, reiterated overweight today at Morgan Stanley, with shares up more than 20% from their 52-week low. Kerry, Jason, you both own it. Jason, you go first. What do you, what do you make of this call here? Yeah, I like it. I mean, obviously, PayPal struggled big time last year. It was down 60%. Um, you know, Elliott is in there, and they've got a great reputation in, in just helping to manage business and help them become more efficient. They also announced a layoff today, 7% of the workforce. Stinks to see people lose their jobs, but cost-cutting is a strategy. Um, so they're, they're doing well there, and I really like Venmo. I think Venmo is a strong opportunity for the stock, and I think that's a vertical that will keep them keep the momentum there. So I like the call. The momentum lately has been with block the former square over a PayPal if you if you put yeah. them in the at the same table right right people yeah. have been eating more block than they have PayPal yeah that's right what's up with that is that just well, emblematic of the kinds of stocks that have have led the way yeah I mean I think it's a smaller company market cap PayPal has a lot of baggage that it's you know carried it into 2023 from a horrible, from really a horrendous 2022. But it's 13 and a half times next year's earnings. And as Jason said, there's a lot of things that are going right on the cost right. side. You know, it's another one of these names that's, you know, in treatment. They're, they're seeing, you know, seeing the writing on the wall. They have to start to get religion. You know, it yeah. makes me think of Kathy Wood um, because she had gotten out of PayPal and sort of went bigger on, on block. And she was on Squawk Box this morning, addressed her performance and what's going on in the market with this comeback here. Listen. Last year, uh, the worst performance in the bond market since the 1700s. That's how bad this was. And of course, that was going to really hurt our strategies. Um, but uh, we do believe, and we have been saying for some time, that uh, the inflation is unwinding. We think the, the market is leading the Fed, the bond market. I think we're down to 3.5% uh, today on the 10-year Treasury bond yield. Uh, the, the bond market is basically saying the Fed is close to the end of this tightening move. All right, that's Kathy Wood this morning on Squawk. I mean, she just had her best month ever, she right? Did. January, 28% for the ARKK, yeah. the innovation uh, fund. But you think it's all a, a head fake with I do. about to lose momentum. I, I do. I, I, it's not a place that I'm comfortable being from a, a risk perspective. Um, are deflationary elements present? Yeah, I mean, look at the price of natural gas and oil. That would suggest yeah. that, it, that it, you know, she's correct. Um, if deflation were to take hold, for the remainder of the year, Kathy's going to have a great year. I've always said it seems to be that her strategy is a referendum on the direction 
of the economic climate. Is it inflation or is it deflation? But for me personally, no, I don't want to assume the risk in a lot of these high beta strategies. What about the PayPal's and blocks of the world? That's what makes me think of those kinds of stocks. Upon inception of Joe T, PayPal was in there, sold out of it at around 163. Very happy with that exit. I think fundamentally the presence of Elliott is going to lead to an increased capital allocation strategy. That creates a put uh, within this stock. Okay. Uh, I've got some more of your moves coming up as well. We do want to touch the markets uh, as we wait on the Fed here, you know, 90 minutes or so from the actual decision and then the news conference. Dow's at the lows of the day. I think we can call that down a little more than 1%, 364. The S&P 500 down one half of 1%. NASDAQ not down quite as much, but nonetheless giving back about 42 and 347 as we watch yields heading into Powell and company in just a little while. That's two o'clock Eastern. We're back right after this. All right, we're back. Let's get to more of Joe's uh, moves in the rebalance of the Joe T. Now, this next one is surprising to me. Okay. You have loved this stock for as long as I can remember. And you talk about the CEO doing a great job all the time. And it is CMG. Fantastic. It is Chipotle. Fantastic company. You sold it. I did. Why? Um, I sold it personally, and it exited the Joe T strategy. Uh, was placed in Joe T strategy April of 2021 at around 1492. The momentum has begun to wane, seeing a little bit of softening in the quality factor when you're looking at return on equity, debt to equity, the criteria that we're utilizing. So unfortunately, Chipotle, which is a favorite name of mine and a favorite restaurant to eat in. No, but you talk about this stock a lot. I do. You always talk about Brian Nickel, the CEO, is executing well. They've had more pricing power than many of the competitors in that, you know, fast, casual universe. And you think that's sort of run its course. That's what the strategy is suggesting. It's, you know, basically for the strategy, it's ringing the register, so to speak, taking a profit, moving to the sidelines, taking a second look. Why'd you add Yum China and Ross stores? Both of them significant positive momentum in particular over the prior quarter. Very strong momentum on the upside. Okay, insurance, Chubb and Progressive? (laughs) Chubb, not such a good buy today. We've got a lot of uh, insurance companies with the financial sector exposure. Chubb is down significantly today. Uh, did add Striker, which is up significantly yeah. today, so that right. kind of offsets it. But the insurance exposure uh, is significant within the financial sector. All right. Um, lastly, some technology names mm-hmm. uh, Fiserv and Fleet Core, FLT, Gen Digital. I don't think we've ever discussed that stock on this show. GEN, Teledyne's come up, TDY. Yeah, Gen Digital, that's the old Norton LifeLock. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. you're getting here is Security. really growth at a reasonable price. And you're also seeing a little bit of lower beta exposure to technology. Yeah. You know these names? I, I do. And I, I think what Joe has done here is created, a, I would say, a, a cohort that's financial slash technology that, um, that is reason, definitely reasonably priced. Most of them are below market multiples. I think yes. that they're definitely, a, you know, attractive relative to the S&P, have not been I mean, a couple of them have been good stocks, like Progressive, but most not. And I think he's got upside. What about, you know? what about Chipotle? What about, you know, stocks that have, have done, it's up 17.5% year to date. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people like the stock. 
What do you make yeah, of this move food. here? Food's great. Uh, food versus <laughs> forget the food. Let's you talk know, about the stock. I think that um, they've got. They continue to face problems with you know raw material costs and labor costs. Yeah, yeah. but they've but they've so, had the ability to raise prices as I, as I suggested. Yeah. On multiple occasions, by the way. Well, I'm not a good source on Chipotle because we have not gotten the stock right. Therefore, I wouldn't say that my opinion really matters. It does on some of the other names, but not so much on this one. Jason Snipe, yeah. on, any, on any of these names. So I, I like the, uh, the insurance play, Joe. Um, Chubb, Progressive, I think with interest rates where they are, I think that's an aspect of the financial sector yeah. that could really work. You know, as it relates to uh, Chipotle, I think they do ha- still have pricing power, um, but I understand your discipline in getting out. That's, that's, your, that's what you got to do. All right, up next, Santoli. Make room for Mike Santoli. He's coming here uh, for his midday word ahead of the Fed decision. Plus, we are getting ready to grade your trades. Email us, askhalftime at CNBC.com. You can tweet us if you want to do that. Use, uh, just use the hashtag grademytrade. We're, we're back after this. All right, welcome back. Just over an hour until the Fed's latest decision on interest rates, followed by the news conference with the chair. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli is here for his midday word. What do you you think we have today? Is this like weaker data versus a potentially hawkish chair? I think we have both of those things. I think actually there's enough in terms of weaker data to to focus on, if one would so choose, uh, if you're Jay Powell, to say, look, a lot of what we've done already is taking hold. Things are moving in the direction we want with inflation. On the other hand, Jolt's number, you know, he's made it famous, so I guess we can't ignore it. Uh, So job openings are are up, uh, and so therefore you can also have a sense out there. I, I think the bigger risk in terms of a hawkish message is if he really sticks to some somewhat arbitrary level of unemployment we need to get to to be sure inflation is uh, is kicked. Um, I don't know that that's really likely. I also think the stakes might not be that high. I know that's maybe kind of blasphemy to say at this time, only because it's a quarter point. Everyone knows it's a quarter point. Right. If the Fed's over-tightening or has over-tightened, it's already there. It's already done. The next quarter point is not going to be the thing that does it. Um, so we have time to figure it out. This move, six, seven weeks after that, maybe we get another quarter. Um, a lot of things can move around in the data. I think what people are focused on is the eco-weighted S&P 500 is only 8% below its peak ever. Uh, it's, it's broken higher. Uh, emerging markets are working. So you can call that a loosening of financial conditions, and it absolutely is. Well, I was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to I mean, say, well, B, how does he as- assess Triple B corporate that? yields are the same level today they were on Labor Day, and we've had 200 basis points of Fed tightening in the midst <laughs> of that. So is that working against them, or is that saying, hey, we might actually sneak through here without having as much pain as we thought we were going to need to get inflation where it has to well, go? Well, what if he leaves us, you know, unsure about what happens in March. Yeah. We assume, and the market's priced it in, 25 today, 25 yeah. in March. What happens if he leaves it a little open-ended, saying, well, oh, we're will. still data-dependent? I and- think he will leave it open-ended. I think they're not going to say we have more more uh, multiple hikes to, to go. Um, but I think, I think then we are data-dependent, and then we are, well, we're up 6% in a month. Wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to pull back if it's only three or five percent. No big deal. But the problem is data dependent to, to some would suggest, well, are they really data dependent? Because yeah. inflation, there's good evidence that it's coming down. There's good evidence that That's the right. economy is weakening. And are they ignoring part of that picture because they're fixated on getting to their destination? They're not ignoring it, but they've been telling us all along they want to countersink the nail. 
right? They want the nail head below the yeah. level of the wood. Yeah, they better get that special right? tool. And that's that what they need. That. Exactly. You know, the, yeah. the question is, do they have what that in the their toolbox? Tool yeah. You know? All right, we'll see. Right. We'll talk later. That's Mike Santoli. Grade My Trade is up next. You can send an email, askhalftime at CNBC.com. You can tweet us as well. We're back after this. All right, let's do Grade My Trade. Uh, Carrie, you're up first from Steve. Maybe Weiss, I don't know. I added 150 shares of American Tower at 225. Okay, you own the stock. What do you think here? Yeah, Steve, I, I think that's a, a good trade. Uh, AMT, it's the leader in the tower business. Had a tough year last year because interest rates were going up and they borrow, but they have escalation clauses in all of their contracts. And, of course, we're using more and more data, so I'm giving you an A- minus on that trade. Okay, all right. Uh, Jason, Alex in Toronto, uh, got stopped out of NVIDIA, 187, missed last week's rally. Do you think I have an opportunity to get it much cheaper later this year? Do I cut my losses, though, and re-enter for the start of a potential new bull market. What do you think? I think you will get an opportunity here. Uh, obviously, the stock has moved a lot already this year. It's up 37% year to date. Um, AMD's quarter was really strong and very interesting to me. You know, data center is really strong, and I think that's going to be another catalyst for, for, for NVIDIA. So I, I think you, but however, with the Fed still engaged as much as they are, I think you'll have another opportunity down the road. Okay. Uh, wow. From Joe T. in Michigan. Not in Virginia. <laughs> no relation? I thought it was Joe Theismann in Virginia. Maybe he was in Michigan when he sent this. Uh, asking Joe T. to grade my trade, I stop lost out of Eli Lilly at 362. Is it time to jump back in at these levels? That's an A+. Plus. That's, that's an A+. Plus. Uh, reporting earnings here in the next 24 hours. So to Joe T., no, I don't think you're jumping in until post-earnings. Thereafter, take a look to reestablish the position and also look at Merck. All right. Keep the trades coming in. Another reminder, email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com, or tweet us, use the hashtag, as we said. Final trades are next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Well, Jeffrey Gunlock today, 4 o'clock Eastern time in overtime, his first reaction to what the Fed does and to what the chairman says. And if that's not enough, it's a rare big earnings day, too, because we have Meta. So we're going to get to all of that as it happens. I can't wait. Then right after halftime today, Kerry is going to sit down with Dom Chu and CNBC Pro subscribers. She's going to share exclusive insights and stock picks. She's going to answer your questions. You can join the conversation. There is still time to do that. You can go to CNBC.com slash ProTalks. So, Carrie, you break a leg there. Look forward to that with Dom. Why don't you give me a yeah. final trade? You have a little bit of time here. So I'll give you TMO, Thermo Fisher. And that company reported this morning. It's a name that we've owned a long time. It had a, a tough post-COVID because this is a company that does, does testing and a lot of diagnostics for uh, COVID. It turned out they made billions of dollars over the last couple of years. And then stocks come down. Now they're seeing a stabilization. And we think we'll see resumption of light science and diagnostic testing over the next year and forward. And this is an attractive entry point okay. here. Jason Snipe. 
Yeah, I like, I like Darden here. It's a defensive growth play. It's trading around 18, eight times forward, 3.2% uh, 3. 3 dividend yield, uh, some trade-down opportunities in a slowing economy. So I like Darden. I appreciate you being so transparent uh, with our viewers about everything that you're doing in the Joe T. Uh, today was an interesting view into Thank your you. sort of appreciate psyche that. and, and to how, you, how you've been doing that. What's your final? Appreciate the opportunity. This game is about making mistakes and making small mistakes. Thermo Fisher, since inception, since inception's been in Joe T. Final trade, nice. Copart, an industrial name, which was added into the portfolio yesterday. We're going to be talking about a higher or lower market tomorrow. My gut, this is just my gut is that the Federal Reserve is not going to be hawkish enough and that the animal spirits of the month of January are going to take the market higher. That's just my gut. All right. Well, right we will see because we're an hour away from the decision itself. And then, of course, the Fed chair meets the news media, our Steve Leisman there, and then Gunlock gets your first reaction in overtime. I'll see you all then. Uh, the exchange begins now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.